me, baby. You drop the bomb. Dropping bombs. Hey. 6.59 p.m. on one clock, 6.57 on the other. So now it's now it's drifting. I've got two minutes separating both of my clocks over here. At the beginning of the week, it was only a one-minute differential, and now it is getting worse. There's something going on. One company or another is not abiding by Earth Minutes. That's all I'll be saying on, on that on that front. But welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on this Thursday night, the 22nd day of September 2022. It's the first day of fall. First day of fall. Creeping up on the first day of spring. Then the first day of summer. And here we are again. It never gets old, though it might be old hearing it. It never gets old feeling it. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're getting old together. Another night on the books, and we have a lot of pretty good stuff to do. I'll tell you, after a show like last night with G. Edward Griffin, I wake up in the morning, and I feel like I am playing with house money. It's a great feeling. Where I was like, okay, you know what? Let's, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot less stress to put a show together for an evening like tonight because I'm just kind of riding high on such a, uh, a fun time the night before, but we still have great stuff here to do. Um, we have a little bit here in the grab bag we'll get to, and then I want to jump on the Ukraine bandwagon a little bit more because Jimmy Dore did a really interesting bit. We won't be able to play the whole thing, but we'll be able to crack open a can of worms based on it. He did a bit, a segment based on the Rand Corporation and how it had published papers a long time ago, years ago, about uh, how they intended to do exactly what is going on right now. And that inspired me to say, oh, you know what? Maybe this is when I'll go and I'll, I'll read a copious amount of highlights that I made for myself in Chapter 2 of this Antonio Sochi book that I was reading uh, uh, weeks ago, The Secret of Benedict XVI. Is he still Pope? Well, the second chapter, I was like, whoa. The second chapter is, is, uh, asks the question in the title, Who Wanted a Revolution in the Church and Why? And boy, oh boy. We're, we're going to be jumping around a lot in that. So the first half is going to be just some thinking and some reading and some hanging out. In the second half, we are going to jump into a very ripe thread, a show thread, that you still have a little bit of time to, um, to add to. And that is, a, uh, that is our doctors and nurses stories from the field. So I'm going to be doing that tonight and definitely a little bit more of that thread tomorrow night as well because there's not going to be enough time. We, ha we have well over 20, 20 um, submissions of doctor and nurse stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the strange, the crazy. Um, so... I want to do a little bit more of that in the second half. Tomorrow we got Sam Tripoli coming on the show, so that should be really, really fun. I'll save my zombie stories for him. I'll, we'll talk Antarctica and maybe a little bit of high jump since we've been doing that a little bit lately. And he kind of uh, slapped people across the face with that a little bit on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast uh, weeks ago. Um, so, you know, we'll do a, we'll do a, we'll go tin foil hat with Sam Tripoli tomorrow night. 
I also would like to let you all know that around Sunday, the 25th, at some point Sunday, Nor Bin Laden is going to be uploading a podcast featuring me. I got to sit down to this morning with Nor and record a podcast for her show, and it was a really awesome, chilled-out conversation. It's a great it's a great episode to listen to while you're having your morning coffee. So um, on Sunday, I'll start getting that out. And I told her, send me over the raw file, too, so we can put it in lo- uh, ro- rotation on the network. So be on the lookout for that. Nor Bin Laden. And, um, and yeah, that's what we have tonight. So, all right. Other announcements. I want to thank my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. BlueMonsterPrep.com, they've created a new Getting Started page. I just want to drill that for a few more plugs because, uh, because it's a great page uh, at, that could be used as a guide for anything that you want to talk to Pat and Gina one-on-one about. Um, where to start with food, where to, how to start, how to prioritize what you're getting. Once it's checked off, move down the list of priorities. So you can go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. There's a uh, checklist there with hyperlinks to important product categories to make sure your audience, Frank, has all the basic covered. Basics covered. Scrolling further down the page, your audience can also view all of our most popular recommended items to help take the guesswork out of getting started. And as well, you can always, the Franklies are always welcome to call us at one call us at one eight hundred eight seven six seven eight one six with any questions. And uh, that is from Pat and Gina. BlueMonsterPrep.com, internet superstore for everything you need. And they are very finely tailored to this audience's needs. So don't be a stranger, because they sure aren't. And also go to Secret Nature CBD. Secret Nature CBD and stock up for some good weekend chilling. That's what I would say. Secret Nature CBD, use promo code FRANKLY for both of them. And get onto that affiliates page and show some love to all of our friends because it is gift-giving season now. Aside from the fact that all the stuff I have on the website as affiliates are great gifts to be giving yourself and to keep stocked in the house all throughout the year no matter what. But stuff those stockings, folks. Do it. All right, a little bit of a preview on some of the booking I've been doing. We have Rich Barris coming on Monday, the 26th. Uh, I don't have anything really planned after that for now, working on a few things until October 4th. So we have a pretty light weekend, ne- uh, light week next week, but it's all right. We always find something to do. I just booked Nathaniel Gillis. He'll be coming on with us on October 4th. That's a Tuesday. And the topic will be religious demonology. going to be great. Now on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the 5th, 6th, and 7th, I'll be out of town. Um, my, uh, my usual little extended weekend retreat into the mountains. So Nathaniel Gillis will be the last one of the week. We'll have that Monday and the Tuesday. Bill Altman from Mines, the founder of Mines, will be in the studio again on October 11th. We have a lot of cool stuff to talk about there. Robin McCutcheon on the 12th. Corey Daniel, the Phoenix Enigma, coming back on the 14th. We have the Saturday night show on October 15th where we're watching my father's horror film, Spookies. We'll be watching it with him in studio, you know, laughing and joking and, and all that other stuff. And then we'll, we'll rerun it on the network on Sunday night so you can watch it without interruption. October 20th, Kathy O'Brien is coming back on. We're going to be talking about the midterms, uh, whether or not we're being conditioned for another steal. And uh, SRA survivors 
being um, having exorcisms backfire and keeping them trapped into their programming. That is something. So we're going to be talking about exorcisms and satanic ritual abuse survivors uh, and how exorcisms can backfire, among other things. That's October 20th. Timothy Alberino is coming back on October 21st. We'll be talking about cryptids. We're going to be getting spooky. I want to ask him about biblical angels, the way that they come off and uh, they, how they appear. Um, because I saw a couple of scary depictions of angels that I want to ask him about. I can also, I can also find a way once and for all to bring up the, the cat topic. Or do we just keep stringing it along? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whatever his answer is, it doesn't matter. Um, because it's it's already part of the culture of the show to not believe anything that he or Matt says. <laughs> and this is all Matt's fault. Now several other people have been accused of being cats since Matt started this uh, rumor about Timothy Alberino. Uh, uh, Jason Burmis, people think that Jason Burmis is a cat. I know that Jay Gulinello looked off to the side a couple of times and um, he was accused, well, uh, people are, are starting to suspect he may be a cat person as well. I don't know. <laughs> I just, <laughs> this is getting bad. See, this is how, this is how, this is how world wars start. This is how world wars start. Then Rich Barris will be coming back on October 24th. And then again, November 7th, the day before election day. So we have great stuff going into the month of October. I still have not finished booking it out completely. I want to get some more stuff in there. I have great ideas that uh, have been formulated, and we'll see where it all goes. Really creepy stuff, too. A couple of creepy things, a couple of really, really creepy shit. So it's right up some of our alleys. All right, into the grab bag we go. The first one up is from... It's from uh, MSN, The Daily Beast. Oh, David asks, why one Harvard astronomer believes this asteroid is an alien ship? Five years ago, I can't believe it's five years ago, a very strange object made a very strange journey across the solar system. Shiny reddish in color, oblong, somewhere between 300 and 3,000 feet in length, and moving an eye-watering 15 miles a second. The object zoomed into our system and passed the sun when Canadian astronomer Robert Work first noticed the thing in a telescope survey in October 2017, it was already on its way out of our system. Astronomers were baffled by this object, which they named Oumuamua. That's Hawaiian for scout. No one knew for sure what Oumuamua is or isn't. Just one leading scientist was willing to say what others may have only been thinking. Oumuamua's speed, course, and shape were possible signs it's an alien craft, according to Avi Loeb, a Harvard science, uh, a physicist. He, he's been on um, Ground Zero a few times, I believe. The possibility of an artificial origin for Oumuamua must be considered, Loeb wrote in a Hallmark 2021 study. Loeb's position that we should at least entertain the possibility that a Muamua is a spacecraft and investigate accordingly has been controversial, to say the least. Now a Chinese team is trying to dismantle one key part of Loeb's argument. If a Muamua is an alien ship, it might be propelled by a super-thin light sail that captures particles from stars. There's no sign of a sail, 
In the scant data we have on Oumuamua, the Chinese team asserted in their own peer-reviewed study, which has been accepted for publication in the journal Astronomy and Astrophysics and appeared online on Wednesday. We conclude that possibility of Oumuamua being a light sail is extremely unlikely. Shang-Fei Liu, an astronomer at Sun Yat-sen University in Zhuhai, uh, China, told the Daily Beast, yeah, but can you really trust them? Come on. It should go without saying that Loeb disagrees. There are a few points that the authors have overlooked, Loeb told the Daily Beast. The argument from Shang-Fei and his colleagues, who are obviously covering this shit up, that's me, I added that, boils down to this. Light sails, which capture photons the way ships' sails capture wind, are an increasingly popular way of propelling spacecraft we build here on Earth. They tend to be big square things that reflect a lot of light or very little light. Uh, it all depends on the angle of the uh, to the observer as well how much the craft they are attached to spins. So as a muamua streaked across the solar system, it should have been really bright at some points, and all but invisible at others. And while a muamua did get brighter and darker from our point of view, on this weird journey, it didn't get bright enough. Shangfei said, "Quote: If it was a light sail, the brightness variation should be much larger. Anyhow." I don't know how you're, we're ever going to reach a conclusion about anything like this since it was in and out so quick. That's what she said. And, um, and I guess we'll just have to wait with bated breath for more. Now on to a, uh, a little embarrassing interaction among House representatives in D.C. Uh, Dan Bishop, I don't know where he's from, Representative Dan Bishop, he sits next to Chip Roy on this committee. Uh, he, he very rightfully and righteously made a fool out of my representative, my new representative, Mondaire Jones. He's a he-him, if you look at his, um, his very brave bio on Twitter. Mondaire Jones is a he-him that replaced Nita Lowy as my representative. He represents me. Remember that when you listen to this. Anyway... Mondaire went and made all these really weird and outlandish remarks about he's pretty much just hearkening on the uh, hearkening the um, all those anti Lee Zeldin commercials I've been telling you about that have been running over here in New York about Lee Zeldin uh, January 6th and abortion and you know and, uh, January 6th he voted to to reject the election results on January 6th um, you know, blah, 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 insurrection that took the lives of five brave police officers. Which, of course, it didn't. Which, of course, it did not. Um, five police officers died. One was a stroke the next day. He was a Trump supporter. The other four, very mysterious suicides. Very mysterious suicides. But, you know, Democrats, they have a, they have a tendency to stack bodies however the hell they can. That's a stat we can use. That's a stat we can use. Be general. Be very generalized about how you use this stat, but we're going to use it. Anyway, he went out there and he made that uh, that old, old comment about January 6th, a police officer being bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Never happened. Anyway, he was uh, held account for it. I want you to listen to this little exchange. I mean, I wasn't listening. We were conversing a bit, but... Did I hear, and I think, did you say that a uh, police officer was bludgeoned to death by the crowd at the January 6th riots? 
I said a police officer was bludgeoned to death. I did not say at the hands of whom, Mr. Bishop. Because if he, yeah, see, generalized. They just need to make sure that everything they say is the most sensational thing they have ever heard. Details, context be damned, and let's just keep mar- marching forward with no shame. Could, we, just, who are you referring to, if you don't mind yeah. saying? And get that information for you in a few minutes. Well, I, I just want to make sure because are, are, are you denying that Capitol Police that at least one Capitol Police officer was was murdered in the in the midst of what happened on January sixth? Yes, yes, outright yes. There was no murders of Capitol Police officers, none, none whatsoever. There were there were protesters murdered, protesters beaten within an inch of their life, and plenty. Plenty who have killed themselves because directly because of what January 6th and the people like Mondaire Jones who have strapped a saddle on this thing just like they did everything else from the the from the uh, the virus to everything else strapped a saddle on this and made it need with this 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 virulent need to make this like it was the Bay of Pigs. Yes, there's plenty of people who have killed themselves because of this, but still he continues. Yeah, I think I am denying. I mean, here's what I, I understood that there were reports early on that that Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher and that subsequently was debunked as false. He died of natural causes that were not connected to the event. Are we talking about the same person, Sicknick, or are we talking about somebody else? Seriously, I mean, that's, that's it's a genuine question because yeah, the, no, the medical I, examiner. The U.S. Capitol Police put out a report agreeing with the medical examiner finding the U.S. CP officer Brian Sick died Mr. Mr. Bishop, well, just a, a, in a, an initial thought, and, and I know um, that Mr. Roy, you two are an attorney. Uh, Mr. Bishop speaks often about how brilliant of an attorney he is. Uh, you know, we're get, t- get to the point, Mondaire. This guy never he never um, answers any of my emails, none of my tweets. Just a, just a, a fat roly poly from from uh, Westchester. Talking about but for causation of Officer Sicknick's death. And so I, I would hope that you would at least concede at a minimum that Mr. Sicknick died as a result of what happened on January 6th. And, and I'm disappointed if you would suggest otherwise, sir. I mean, look, I, I don't think that's correct either, but just was he bludgeoned to death? Is that because I think Ms. Demings was even looking at we Soto Voce between me and her saying he was. I'm, I'm sincere as, as I can be. My understanding is that that was debunked and, and Mr. Roy just read the medical examiner's information do, do you guys contend that he was bludgeoned to death? I, I contend that 138 Capitol and D.C. police officers were injured. So I, I'm now going to uh, evade and go and throw out an even bigger number. I'm going to distract you with an, distract you. I'm going to sidestep my initial uh, generalized statement that should be completely picked apart and I should be shamed for the attempt to do what he's doing, but he's just just low IQ, a complete loser. Um, and now I'm going to throw out an even bigger number, 137 uh, police officers that 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 uh, six or seven months prior to January 6th, this guy probably wanted all of them to lose their jobs. They were racist pigs. They are the the remnants of a, of a of a society that needs to blah 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 whatever the hell else, kneeling, squirming around on the floor, whatever the hell else. And that multiple Capitol Police officers died as a direct result of what happened on January 6th. And I hope that you... It's your time. You don't have to... Again, multiple multiple Capitol Police officers died as a direct result of what happened on January 6th. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's just bullshit. 
Now, it's embarrassing, but these people, they have no shame. They are unable to feel shame. It's part it's just a part of them that has been disabled or else they I mean, they they wouldn't be able to function for so, for, for like this for so long. I mean, most people Normal people would bury their head in the sand for a few weeks after being called out like this and then try to like recalibrate and uh, and and try to reform and and learn a lesson and um, and I told you this is the, the same kind of thing that I see in these Lee Zeldin commercials everybody refer, referring to the brave Capitol police officer who died directly because of this now one was a Trump supporter who they all said was bludgeoned with a uh, with a uh, an inanimate object never happened. Had a stroke the next day. Then we have four mystery suicides that have never been spoken about in any kind of detail again. Four mystery suicides. Okay? You're talking about police in Washington, D.C., Maryland area. We're talking about high crime rates. We're seeing, we're talking about police as the dead bodies, abused children, abused women. The worst, the worst that you can see. You see it every day as a police officer, especially in big cities. Suddenly, there's a mosh pit outside of the Capitol building, and, and, and four of them needed, needed to end it all quickly. Okay? And, and those, are just the, those are just four, those are just four uh, of the cops that were there that day who weren't ripping tickets and letting people in like it was a, a, a matinee. Like a matinee was, was uh, people were being seated for a matinee. Okay, so according to numbskulls like Mondaire over here, the D.C. police had one of two experiences that day. They are either letting people in or they were experiencing suicide-inducing trauma. Now, half of the force, half of the D.C. police force and the Secret Service should have killed themselves the day after Black Lives Matter and Antifa tried to burn down the fucking White House in May of 2020, if that was the case. Because ain't nobody was trying to firebomb the Capitol that day. We still, do, we still don't know anything about the supposed uh, pipe bomb. No, instead, that, that, that time, that time, with the, the attack on the White House in May of 2020, that was something that the White House staff, the security staff and President Trump, needed to be held accountable for because they had the nerve to use tear gas to disperse the violent mob. That's, this is the kind of shit that we're dealing with. So, um, and then, of course, like I said before, the, the people who have been killing themselves directly tied to January 6th are the scapegoat political detainees who have been having their lives ruined, who have had their lives ruined. They've been tortured. They've been isolated for almost two years now by people like Mondaire Jones who need this so badly to be remembered as a Bay of Pigs because what do they have otherwise? Abortion? How pathetic. How pathetic. Just pathetic. Well, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Share the show far and wide. I would really appreciate it. Take care, and uh, we're on our way. I hate this Tumblr shit. We're like, oh, you're a Nazi. It's like, bitch, do I look like a fucking Nazi to you? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. 
And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! I know. I know. I always play at the wrong place. But. Darling, I promise you this. I'll send you all my love. Every day in a letter. Sealed with a kiss. Guess it's gonna be a cold. Lonely summer. But I, you know, I understand that he's saying goodbye to the girl he loves at the end of school in June, because they're going their separate ways for the summer, and I'll see you in September. But this is obviously such a cold-sounding. It sounds like it's it's supposed to be sung in the in September and October. That's it. It's a good song though. I run to tenderly hold you But darling, you won't be there I don't want to say Yeah, but that's it. Goodbye, Summer. So when I sing it, I say I... We gotta say goodbye to the summer, not for the summer. And let's make a pledge. To meet in June. And it'll be back before you know it. All right, so welcome to the evening's program here. One more thing I think that we can do that's that's fun. Before we get into the Jimmy Dore clip that I that uh, is a really good table setter. Here's a headline, time to bin the bratwurst. Men who eat meat should be banned from having sex to help save the planet. German animal rights group claims. <laughs> Oh, man. Let's see. German branch of PETA claims men who eat meat should be banned from sex. It says men contribute significantly more to the climate crisis than women. Women should therefore go on sex strike to save the world. PETA also claims eating meat is a symptom of toxic masculinity. All men who eat meat should be banned from having sex, according to an animal rights group, which claims that scoffing sausages is a symptom of toxic masculinity. The German branch of animal rights group PETA claimed that men contribute significantly more to the climate crisis than, oh, fuck this, who cares? These losers, I don't care. But you know what I am a little bit upset about? I am upset that we still haven't banned John Kasich from eating pancakes that friendless dork was the real menace to society you remember that and then you see him eating in the morning you ever see i have never seen 
he's stuffing pancakes in his mouth like this. And I'm always telling my boy, take small bites, Barrett, little tiny bites. And yesterday he said, Daddy, who is that guy on television? That's disgusting. You, did you ever see? And then they talk about presidential. Oh, I see. He's president. He, he puts pancakes this big in his mouth and he's shoving them in. This is not a presidential person. Now you look at Kasich. I don't think he knows what, you know, did you see him? He has a news conference all the time when he's eating. I have never seen a human being eat in such a disgusting fashion. I'm always telling my young son, Baron, I'm saying, and I always with my kids, all of them, I'd say, children, small little bites, small. This guy takes a pancake and he's shoving in his mouth. It's disgusting. Do you want that for your president? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just honestly, it's disgusting. You ever see it? He's eating today, stuffing it. I never saw bites this big. He's pushing it in with his. I never saw a guy eat like this. I told my son he was watching. He said, Daddy, look. I said, Don't watch. Little bites, little bites. Yeah, yeah. See, good times. Good times. Sorry. <laughs> the, guy, the John Kasich. Uh, pancakes. Okay. So, on to serious business. I have a little something here from Jimmy Dore. He did a, uh, what is it, a 12-minute segment on how Ukraine war was planned years ago. How documents from 2019 Rand Corporation study commissioned by the U.S. Army laid out exactly what the plan to undermine and weaken Russia through military support of Ukraine would be. The study suggested arming Ukraine, imposing sanctions on Russia, ramping up economic warfare, and taking a more aggressive and militaristic posture toward the United States' international rival, all while uh, warning that this could lead to military invasion of Ukraine. Now, we're going to go into this because I have something here for you. It'll take a little while, but it'll be well worth it. That is that is going to set even more of a backdrop for even all of that because that's 2019. The coup, the CIA um, coup was in 2014, and this is a slow-boil world war, or at least it could be. Let's take a listen to it, just a couple of minutes of this. This is from yesterday's Jimmy Dore show. So I wanted to tell you about, there's the Rand Corporation. You know what the Rand Corporation is, right? So they're, they're the ones who do all the dirty work for the government. They're the ones who had the Pentagon Papers that got stolen by Daniel Ellsberg, and then he released them, and it blew the roof off the Vietnam War that we'd been lied to by four successive administrations. Caitlin Johnson tweets out, I feel like we don't talk enough about the fact that the 2019 study commissioned by the U.S. Army found that the U.S. could advance its geostrategic interests in Eurasia by baiting Russia into overextending itself in wars against U.S. proxies in Ukraine and elsewhere. So they don't, they don't, you don't, you're not going to hear Ali Velchi bring this up as he manufactures consent for war and says he's not. Um... This is the paper, Extending Russia, Competing for Advantageous Ground. Competing from Advantageous Ground. Recognizing that some level of competition with Russia is inevitable. RAND researchers conducted a qualitative assessment of cost-imposing options that could unbalance and overextend Russia. 
Such cost-imposing options could place new burdens on Russia, ideally heavier burdens than would be imposed on the United States for pursuing those options. The exact opposite's happening. Yeah. Russia's doing better than ever. The West, the United States, is getting ha- having high inflation, high gas prices, energy prices. Imposing deeper trade and financial sanctions would likely degrade the Russian economy, especially if such sanctions are comprehensive and multilateral. Thus, their effectiveness will depend on the willingness of other countries to join in such a process. But sanctions come with costs, and depending on their severity, considerable risks. Providing lethal aid to Ukraine would exploit Russia's greatest point of external vulnerability. But any increase in U.S. military arms and advance to Ukraine would need to be carefully calibrated to increase the cost to Russia of sustaining its existing... Com- so do you see what Rand... You, you, they're laying out what we did. Especially to the point where there's no actual... Um, there's no actual hiding that we're the ones that are giving Ukraine all this weapons and training. And I know that they have found special forces, Western special forces from like France and France and other people in there. We're giving them, um, you know, uh, mil- uh, 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 whatchamacallit, we're tracking, we're doing targeting, computer targeting on their behalf. There is absolutely nothing that has shielded that fact. Okay, it's, it's just common. But as far as the pacing goes, carefully calibrated to increase the cost to Russia of sustaining its existing commitment without provoking a much wider conflict. So it's how can we keep how can we keep this going for as long as we can? It's already seven months. How can we keep Russia mired in a conflict, dropping bombs and spending money, even though it's really not working? Uh, they're getting stronger economically. The rest of the world sees that we are nuts. We are unstable. We are. We have less and less um, dignity. Less to. Less reason to trust us as a world power, as a government. And um, and not only that, but it's coming to the great cost of human life in in Ukraine. They are sending tens of thousands of people to a meat grinder for a war that is really. It's it's not. It's just not, uh, well, anyway. Anyway, a couple more seconds of this, and I want to tell you about what I'm reading in this book. This is another economic war with another economic foe, and so we're pretending we're fighting for liberty and to save Ukrainian people when we're actually instigating them to invade Ukraine so we can use that as an excuse to ramp up our sanctions and commit an economic war. An economic war that's not even, that's not even being effective in hurting Russia. Then again, is it supposed to be? Because starting in 2020, when everybody's talking about Great Reset and we have to just pull the rug out from everything around the world, socially, economically, militarily, climate-wise, all of that stuff, this would be a great excuse, a great excuse to say, well, we were completely wiped out we were already so fragile because of that pandemic that came out of nowhere. And then this war with the evil Russians came. And we were just completely wiped out. The sanctions, the supply lines, it just, it just bottomed us out. We need to be able to hit the reset button and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't our fault. It was a pandemic and Russia. It was a one-two punch. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I certainly don't believe anything they're telling us as, as the official line. Anyway, I want to read something for you. I want to keep this, uh, I want to tell you a little bit something about this. Now, the, 
This is a little bit of a, of a book in chapter two by Antonio Sochi. The title of it is called The Secret of Benedict XVI. Is he still Pope? Now, it's a great book about the abdication of Pope Benedict, if anybody was ever looking into getting some background on it and all of the questions that are unanswered and this and that. But chapter two is incredibly relevant to what we are living through right now and what a tremendous resource for cutting through the garbage we are fed by the government and its media. But the habitual, uh, you know, it goes into the habitual demonization of Russia and Putin, our operations in Eastern Europe, and how we are not only committed to geopolitical and economic isolation of Russia, but also through the targeted subversion of the Orthodox Church, as well as every culture. I mean, it's just pretty much just cultural revolutions again. And this is all prior to the 2014 coup. So now most of you already know, now even even if you wouldn't be able to explain it all, that um, this didn't happen in a vacuum. This is not a matter of Vladimir Putin having just a lust for land and warm water ports. It's always been a slow-boiled color revolutionary disaster sponsored by the West, sponsored by the CIA and NATO and Mossad and all them, a largely hidden from sight, largely hidden from sight with the sleight of hand tricks that our pathetic whore media um, engage in. So um, that's what I want to get into. So let's start with the beginning of the chapter. Sit back and relax. And I'm just going to jump around. There's several pages where I have highlights on, but it's not going to take too long. I think it should be a, a nice little, a nice little rounder for the first, the first hour. All right. Chapter two. It was still 2007 thus shortly prior to the Obama-Clinton era when Benedict XVI and his encyclical, Space Salvi, considered the tragic effects of de-Christianization for humanity. Ratzinger did so in an unusual way, typical of the great intellectual, intellectual that he is, by using a quotation from Immanuel Kant in order to make a universal appeal to reason. I would like to return to that passage. It's this. Uh, in 1794... In the text, Das Engel was pretty much the end of all things. Uh, a changed image appears. Now Kant considers the possibility that as well as the natural end of all things, there may be another that is against nature, a perverse end. He writes in his, connect, in his uh, connection, quote, If Christianity should one day cease to be worthy of love, then the prevailing mode in human thought would be rejection and opposition to it, and the Antichrist would begin his, albeit short, regime presumably based on fear and self-interest. But then, because Christianity, though destined to be the world religion, would not, in fact, be favored by destiny, destiny to become so, then, in a moral respect, this could lead to perverted end of all things. That's the end of the quote. Now back to Sochi. The Pope thus indicated a series of elements to keep in mind. Apostasy in the church, hatred of the faith by the world, the Antichrist, and the perverted end of all things. A theological political picture that ev evidently ought to be applied to the present time because, in effect, our time is the first epoch in all of history in which men, or better, the powers of the world, truly have the possibility of enacting the perverted end of all things. And also, to do it in just a few moments, a power that may be defined as antichristic. Since 2007, the year of Space Salvi, 
Two events have taken place that ought to be read from perspective indicated by Benedict XVI. The first, the financial crisis of 2007 and 2008, which demonstrated the chasm into which market globalization was leading the world. Second, the mistaken response of the American establishment, which has not at all corrected or contained the excessive power of finance and the dictatorship of relativism, and instead, led by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, has continued to pursue an ideological utopia of a unipolar world, inventing the existence of an external enemy by demonizing Russia under Vladimir Putin. Remember, this was, pu- this was published in 2018. Now, this has been, like, this has been a slow-boil um, demonization and isolation. Nobody really wanted to let go of the, the Cold War, but still, a lot has changed since 2018. 2007, I should say, 10 years before then. This demonization, fed by neocons as well as liberals, reached absurd levels. From it, uh, from it only a few dissented. Um, let's see here. Another, uh, let's say, Professor Stephen F. Cohen of Princeton, he was a dissenter, one of the greatest scholars of Russia who made an objective evaluation of the Russian leader, demolishing all the unfounded stereotypes put into circulation by the media against Putin in these years. Here's a quote. Washington has made many policies strongly influenced by the demonizing of Putin, a personal vilification far exceeding any ever applied to Soviet Russia's latter-day communist leaders. Certainly, Russia is not the best possible nation on Earth, nor, for that matter, is the United States, and certainly the Russians could change some things about their nation, but they have emerged from 70 years of totalitarian communism and from 10 years of devastation under Boris Yeltsin, and they are building a nation that is much more prosperous and democratic than uh, they ever have ever had. They are in need of a friendly West that would be willing to help them in this process, and they have looked for such help many times in the last few years, but instead they have found the West to be a fierce enemy. American policy toward Putin has been aggressively hostile. Uh, This demonstrated, among other things, by the expansion of NATO into Eastern Europe begun by Bill Clinton, and that has taken place in spite of the agreement made with Mikhail Gorbachev, writes Diana Johnstone. Here's what she says. Uh, The Americans seem incapable of uh, comprehending why a nation that twice in modern times was a victim of a massive and devastating invasion from the West would be worried about the United States extending the reach of the greatest military apparatus in history right to Russia's doorstep. She's talking about, I mean, uh, in large part, Ukraine, Yugoslavia, all that stuff. In fact, she continues, instead of receiving... The numerous overtures made by Russia in favor of peaceful cooperation, the Clinton administration preferred to treat Russia like a defeated enemy. Then, under the Obama-Clinton administration, the United States came to an alarming level of military tension with Russia, with dangerous provocations made by sorcerer's apprentices and without any logical motive, other than the sole fact that under Putin, Russia was free from the wild, devasta- was uh, free from the wild, devastating chaos of the 1990s and their own autonomous policy that did not fold before the imperial claims of the United States or before the ideological colonization of liberal Americans, also known as the dictatorship of relativism. From this point of view, it is very significant and widely discussed that in his last book-length interview, Benedict XVI. 
gave an evaluation of these two symbolic men, Barack Obama and Vladimir Putin. Uh, Here is the elegant criticism of Obama. This is from Pope Benedict. Obama, a great politician, of course, who knows what it takes to be successful and has certain ideas that we cannot share. And here is his significant evaluation of the Russian leader. We spoke with each other in German. He speaks perfect German. We didn't go very deep, but I certainly believe that he is a man of power, of course, somehow, also affected by the necessity of faith. He is a realist. He sees that Russia suffers from the destruction of morality. Even as a patriot, as someone who wants Russia to have the role of a great power again, he sees that the destruction of Christianity threatens to destroy her. Man needs God. He sees that quite literally, uh, qu- uh, he sees that quite evidently, and he is certain. He is certainly affected by it inwardly as well. He is now even, as he gave the, the, the Papa, Pope Francis, an icon, made the sign of the cross and kissed it. Talking about Putin. There are those who maintain that the opening of Benedict XVI to Russia, uh, 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 th- those who maintain that this opening of Benedict XVI to Russia, which in itself was a great contribution to world peace, was considered by the new American order indigestible, a serious act of insubordination that could not be forgiven. A strategic analyst, Germano Dottori, writing in the geopolitical review Limes, has advanced this thesis. He said the following. The tensions between the church and the United States did not diminish even after the death of Pope John Paul II. They actually increased during the pontificate of Ratzinger, not only because the investment made by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in the polit- in political Islam of the Muslim Brotherhood during the so-called Arab Spring, but also because of the determination of Benedict XVI to reach a historic, uh, an historic uh, reconciliation with the Patriarch of Moscow which would have been uh, for him uh, for him the true religious crowning of geopolitical project of integrating Europe and Russia supporting uh, supported with the conviction by Germany also by the Italy of Sil- uh, Silvio Berlusconi not by the Italy of Giorgio Napolitano which is far more in line with America Uh, The way it all ended is known by everyone. Both the Italian government and the papacy were simultaneously embroiled in a coordinated campaign of scandals, unusually violent and without precedent, which also involved more or less shady financial maneuvers, with the final result of bringing about the departure of Buscoloni from the Palazzo uh, Chigi in November 2011 and the abdication of Ratzinger in February of 2013. Now, we continue on with that. Let's see here. Um, Dottori has also gave an interview with the uh, Zenith Catholic News Agency in which he was specifically asked the question. The emails released by WikiLeaks during the electoral campaign revealed hidden aspects of Hillary Clinton and her staff. One letter from 2012 reveals a certain attention being given to the Catholic Church. What does it say? Here is Dottori's response. Documents have come out from 2011 to 2012 that reveal a strong determination by the staff of Hillary Clinton to stir up an internal revolt within the church in order to weaken the hierarchy. They would employ associations and pressure groups created from below, following a plan that was consolidated in the experience of other 
colored revolutions. We have not yet found the smoking gun, but we are getting close to it. Although I have no proof, I have always thought that Benedict XVI was led to his abdication by complex machinery run by those who had an interest in stopping the reconciliation with Orthodox Russia, the religious pillar of a project of progressive uh, convergence between continental Europe and Moscow. For similar reasons, I believe that the path to succession to the papacy of Cardinal Scola was also blocked, who, as Patriarch of Venice, had led the negotiations with Moscow. Okay, so now we're going to page 28. Moving right along. You're going to see here. All right, 28. Dottori mentioned the colored revolutions supported by the Obama and Clinton administration. This story, which exploded around the year 2011, is emblem of the way in which Washington's strategy of world dominance is prepared to exploit even religious without the, without even religious without scruple in order to achieve its strategic objectives. The world had a warning of this in the 1990s during the Yugoslavian civil war with the way uh, with the way in which religious orthodoxy Islam and Catholicism and ethnicities were used to make that nation explode. Diana Johnstone writes again. During the Clinton presidency between 93 and 2000, Yugoslavia was used by foreign policy establishment as an experimental laboratory, listen to this, as an experimental laboratory for testing techniques of control, subversion, and regime change affected by the United States, which were employed elsewhere. The use of Yugoslavia as a mini-USSR, with Serbia in the place of Russia, and the fracturing of Yugoslavia and thus of Serbia itself, through the detachment of Kosovo, constituted the general proof of the process that we have recently seen at work in Ukraine with Russia as the objective. So uh, then, of course, they go talking about how that very that very um, method was then exported around North Africa and the Middle East with the the Arab Spring, which is of course was another uh, another Obama Clinton deadly work and now we have this in that year of revolutions born in a laboratory the situation in italy also exploded as dottori calls november 2011 saw the fall of a government that was elected by italians with a stable majority in parliament but which was not loved by the eu uh, also because it was not supportive of the german and french banks during the greek financial crisis a government that had excellent relations with Gaddafi's libya where the presence of the energy company Eni was born, a government whose premier was too friendly with Putin as well. It was replaced It was replaced with a government that was not voted for by electors, a technical executive government led by Professor Mario Monti and welcomed by European Union, meaning Germany and France, and by the United States, a government that obviously will make the choices desired by the markets and the EU. During these same months of 2011, the crisis in Ukraine intensified in which the USA fought strenuously to, to stabilize a pro-American government in Kiev that would be strongly averse to Putin's Russia. Also in this case, the Americans showed that they were ready to use religion unscrupulously as an instrument of their plan for imperial dominance. Here, however, it involved the Orthodox Christianity, a shared faith of both Ukraine and Russia. It is an operation that continues as evidenced by most recent episode of this Cold War, namely the attempt to create a schism separating Orthodox Ukraine from the Patriarchate 
of Moscow, which has been warmly supported by the United States and endorsed by the Patriarchate of Constantinople. On September 14, 2018, the pro-American Ukrainian president, Petro Poroshenko, received Samuel Brownback, an American ambassador at large for international religious freedom, and informed him of the measures that he had taken to create an autocephalous Orthodox Church in Ukraine. And then he thanked the United States for its support, which Ambassador Brownback confirmed, giving assurances that in the future the U.S. will support the right of Ukraine to have its own autocephalous Orthodox Church. So splitting up splitting up uh, churches, uh, anything that is going to create a, um, a schism and, and, and more of uh, a discord and more conflict in the region. Because, of course, these people, they are relativists. They do not believe in God, uh, and, and, and they want the world, even if they have to do it through ashes. On September 17th, Metropolitan Hilarion who, as already uh, mentioned, in the head of the, uh, uh, is the head of the Department for External Church Relations of the Patriarchate of Moscow, accused the United States of attacking the Russian Orthodox Church. Hilarion declared that America is interested in the weakening of the Russian Orthodox Church, recalling that Zbigniew Brzezinski, that's uh, Mika's father, an important American political personality and counselor of several U.S. presidents, quote, used to say following the fall of the Soviet Union that, quote, the principal power of the former Soviet Union that the United States ought to destroy is the Russian Orthodox Church. Well, quote, that is what's happening now, Hilarion declared. He added that it is, quote, totally obvious that the American administration was behind the action of the ecumenical patriarchate of Constantinople, recalling the meeting of the American ambassadors with Ukrainian President Poroshenko and with Patriarch Bartholomew. Moreover, Hilarion pointed out that the only religious leader who is capable of uniting all Ukrainians is Metropolitan Yunofri, who is in communion with the Russian Orthodox Church and thus the projected schism is above all a separation from the true Ukrainian Church. As confirmation of these, uh, of, uh, as a confirmation of a few of these things, on the same day, September 17, 2018, a former American vice president, Joseph Biden, vice president to Obama, met with the schismatic patriarch, okay, that's the uh, patriarch in quotations, Filaret of Kiev, in what capacity we do not know, expressing his support for the creation of an autocephalous church in Ukraine. It is, the, it is also significant that Filaret had been in the United States since September 7th, uh, 14th, where he was received at the State Department and was supposed to meet with two exarchs of the Patriarchate of Constantinople. During the meeting, Biden emphasized the importance of a united autocephalous Ukrainian church united in support of Ukrainian sovereignty whenever it deals with, you, with Eastern Europe, as happened in the past with Yugoslavia. The West is fervent supporter of sovereignties and also heated nationalisms. Then Obama's former vice president expressed his gratitude to Filaret for his work of the spread of spirituality in Ukrainian society, his service to the Ukrainian army, his fight against corruption, etc., etc. For his part, Filaret awarded Biden with a decoration, the Order of St. Vladimir, for his continuous support of the Ukraine, a decoration that was also given to Senator John McCain in 2015 for his support of Ukraine during the Russian occupation of Donbass and Crimea. 
Now, um, the rest of this goes into um, more stuff that was brought up inside of those those leaked WikiLeaks emails from Podesta and Clinton, uh, namely that Podesta and Hillary were talking about the need to be able to to start a Catholic spring, just like the Arab Spring, destroying everything. Not only they're destroying countries, they're trying to destroy faiths. They're trying to wring it out of people so that they can do whatever the hell they want. Now, obviously, there was a lot of uh, a lot of financial reasons to go into to go into Ukraine and to set up shop there. And now we are seeing that uh, Vladimir Putin has just had enough. I mean, this is just decades of meddling and slowly trying to recreate the world in their own little way. So it, it the, it's just incredible. It's incredible. It also makes this, it, this little article that I saw from Axios not too long ago makes a little bit more clear what's happening here as well. America's Christian majority could end by 2070. Oh, good. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So they're counting down to that day as well as they're counting down to some magical day when uh, white European heritage is no longer the majority in the United States. I guess those are two very magical days where the world will then just become all egalitarian rainbows and unicorns and everybody's fine and having a good time. It's, it's just incredible. So, yeah, when I see Jimmy Dore going out there and doing a, a wonderful segment about how Rand Corporation and any other part of the military-industrial complex has published white papers in 2019 as to how everything over the course of the next three or four years is going to shake out, I just had to go back into this because this is bringing us back to 2007, 2008, 2011, 12. Those are years before the CIA coup. It's just incredible. Just incredible. And all those idiots out there putting their Ukrainian flags out on the front lawn and just buying, just buying the nonsense. Buying the nonsense. Well, anyway, throwing that out there. So when we come back from our little break, we're going to read through some super chats. We're going to take some of your calls, and then we're going to jump into your nurses and doctor stories because I think that'll be a, a nice little break for tonight. Winding down slowly leading into a nice relaxing Friday night, and away we go. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gents. We'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Entering 
Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. So, hanging out here at the studio in New York, and I'm hoping that everybody's having a good time. We'll start taking some, we can take some calls. Take some calls in the Discord, take some calls on the Skype in just a little bit. Random thoughts, we can do that at first, but let's just get into the random thoughts in the, uh, in the chat, shall we? First one up, Super Chats, we have on Rockfin, Fishhead Montana says, Cheating death is not a recommended lifestyle, but it makes for a good story. Made it out of the Idaho wilderness. Is, is that true? I would love to hear more about that one, Fishhead. I mean, how was the, how dense of a wilderness are we talking here? And did you ever have any doubt that you were going to get out? We're going to see about that. I wonder what's, a, what, what, what's that all about. All right, moving on, moving on. Let's see. Over to, quite frankly, superchat.com. First one up is, I'm your captain. Says, love your show, Frank. Miss taking it back Thursdays with Dilly and Adel. Well, I mean, it, it, Adel was just, uh, he was indisposed today. He told me a couple days ago that he couldn't, he couldn't make it today because he had to do some, he had some uh, private things going on. But we will be back at it next week. And then I will be off the week after that because Thursday I'll just be out of town for that, that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But uh, don't worry, taking it back ain't going to go completely away. And it doesn't mean that Dilly can't jump in from time to time. But I really appreciate you out there. And I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying all the broadcasts in whatever form they come in. All right. Over on the Rumble, Selling the Farm says, You rock, bro. Keep it going. It's great to have you out there, my friend. Thank you. And over on Foxhole, C. Blanche says, Let's go. F these sick reps. No, they're all. There's so many. So many of them are, are are sick. They don't represent anybody. They pretend that they're doing something for people. Um, but what do they represent? 
They're supposed to be a shield. Representation in Congress is supposed to be a shield against people making laws so that people are are left to make their own decisions and be as independent as, as possible where they are, okay? The representation in Congress is supposed to be almost like a shield upon which all of the 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 lesser the lesser inclinations of our species is supposed to break upon but no obviously that's very idealistic thinking thank you boys blanc thank you sean joe uh oil man says longtime listener frank love the show it's great to have you out there oil man thank you for spending all that time with me uh, speaking of other things i'd like to make uh, a little bit of an a an announcement here, a plug for my good friend, Jay Gulanello, because it's getting later in the month now, and I know that he has only a handful of spots left at this at this retreat, this wellness treat, uh, ancestral wellness retreat that is out there in Martha's Vineyard. And anybody that is in the tri-state area or is, uh, I mean, able to travel a little bit, there are some of you out there who are able to do a lot and uh, and get around, and you might want to do this. Get in touch with Jay. Here's what I have. A little information for you. Time to take control of your health, October 6th to October 9th. I'd be there if I weren't in the Adirondacks. 2022, the Perpetual Health Ancestral Wellness Retreat will be a combination of ancestral nutrition seminars. This is directly one-on-one with Jay and and other other, uh, esteemed guests and, um, and professionals. Grounding in nature, exploring how to connect back to the earth and our bodies through various excursions, movement demos, and incredible ancestrally based meals. So you got three nights, all inclusive accommodations out there, daily movement seminars, daily wellness education, formal and informal, nose to tail, seasonal curated meals by our professional chef. So, I mean, it's going to be, oh, that in itself is going to be great. Island bike and beach excursions, contrast therapy, red light therapy, whatever you need and whatever you always wanted to try. Um, And remember also, I mean, the island has been freshly cleared of any and all illegal aliens. So (laughs) there's plenty of room to just stretch out and enjoy. I'm sorry, Jay. I had to, I'm sorry, Jay. I had to do it. So uh, learn how to become bulletproof in a climate. That is doing everything to strip you of your health. Never has there been a better time to take control your future and your sovereignty. More at perpetualhealth.co. Reach out to Jay Gulanello. Have a good time. And let me know all about it. I, I'm going to be reading about it next time that he plans anything, whether it be in Martha's Vineyard or in New, New Hampshire. I will be there. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So I just wanted to read some of that copy right off of his website because... I'd love to hear that it was a nice sold-out event and everybody enjoyed themselves. All right. Uh, what do we have now? Oh, I hear Aaron Judge is up with a 1-2 count. He's one away from Roger Maris. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, I have an email that just came in before I went live, and I thought it was interesting. I'd love to get down to, uh, to getting to it here. Here it is. Uh, this is from... This is from John. He's been a he's written to the show quite a bit. And this was in regards to I believe Tuesday night's show. 
Here it is. Frank, I was listening to Tuesday night's show, and you were talking about how no one... Oh, wait. Oh. You're talking about how no one is getting jobs anymore and how lazy people are. Well, I want you to understand from my point of view what's going on. There has been a lot of deaths in the past few years, and some, not all of those people, would have taken a few of those jobs. I also worked at a place for 34 years. I was gotten rid of by the son-in-law in uh, January of 2022 of this year. I have what I think is a real good resume. I've applied to over 300 jobs and looked over at 80,000 jobs during this time. Not one company ever responded to me. I went to three headhunters and they all basically told me the same thing. Most companies are afraid to hire anyone because of the upcoming collapse. Then asked by, and then I then asked those people, uh, why do they keep posting their job availability? I was told that they still wanted to keep their options open, but do not plan on hiring anyone. I am forced to review my income by finding other means of survival. I was fortunate in this sense that I had to do, I had to go and withdraw from my 401k with early penalty of doing so. I even lowered my expectation of income by $15,000 a year and still nothing. I do not apply to those pizza, fast food, etc., because even full time, I cannot pay the rent alone with it. There are people out there like me that see a slightly different perspective and are not lazy. Keep up the great work, John. Well, John, I'm glad you wrote in because um, I, I, it's a, it is a, a fresh take, but I would like to, to get in on this one. And I understand that, you know, I find it, I mean, I find it always hard to paint anything with a broad brush, which is why I normally don't do it. And I didn't do it in this respect either. but just because there are legitimate hurdles that have been put in the way of people like yourself, uh, which, as you explained, is all still completely tied to the conditions that were created deliberately by government, it does not mean that the general point is not um, the more significant point, by and large, when you talk about what the remedies, the supposed remedies, do to a species. Okay, remember, the problem was caused by government. The remedy that is being issued right now by people, by and large, right down to these universal basic income uh, programs, they're all disastrous, disastrous for the future of humanity, especially if it became truly universalized. Um, The lockdowns, they were to make people scared, dependent, and derailed from anything that they used to consider normal. Uh, We knew that that was what was going on in the middle of it all. We were validated afterwards when all those studies came out that said that the lockdowns and social distancing did not save lives. It actually made things worse, especially when it came to emotional trauma, when it came to the development of children in education, uh, on top of the fact that trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars were stolen and wasted these eviction moratoriums, all stuff like that, those are things that even lazy rich, and there's plenty of lazy rich people, that lazy rich people took advantage of. So, you know, now more and more, what we're reading about is universal basic income programs being uh, released in, in pilot form, all free money under the auspices of COVID relief, which even the uh, the brainless um, installed president, the inaugurated man, in in the the white house says that the the pandemic is over but still pandemic relief 
is just giving people free money for, for no reason. No reason whatsoever. So I was talking about the nature of that being a fucking human fly trap. That's what it is. It's a fly trap for human productivity and human dignity. So that's what they're doing. And uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind that there are well-intentioned people who have had their work ethic and their personal goals and ambitions um, left unscathed by the last couple of years. And they want to be working. They want to be out there earning. And they want to be independent again. But there is, just seems to be one barrier in front of them after another. No doubt about it that that's happening. But by and large, I think that the, uh, the bigger problem... When I was talking about the pizzerias and all that stuff, I was, that was an example of how people who are normally looking for those jobs have found that it, it, it pays much more to not work at all than to go and, and to spend eight hours a day in a pizzeria and sweat over a stove and, and make, a, make an honest living. They can stay home and they can get like sometimes up to 75% more of what they were doing for nothing. That is very damaging. All right, 914-595-6953. We'd love to take you one by one on the show. Hear what you are talking about, what you're thinking about, and then we'll take uh, we'll start going into our doctor-nurse stories. So where are you tonight? How are you thinking? How are you feeling? And where are we driving to next? Have a little bit more time. Let me actually read reload all this stuff on the the website on the forum such a beautiful forum i love it i tell lauren every day you know this forum makes me happy i'm so happy that it's not connected to, to reddit or anything like that show thread are you a nurse or a medical professional we want your best stories a number of audience members a member of the audience who is also a nurse said that we should start this thread because every medical professional is full of funny, strange, scary, even gross stories that will leave you changed forever. Let's see if she is right. And since there is an obvious bottleneck with the, with the Skype right now, we're going to just jump right into that. Let me, uh, let me first X out of Skype and start this up again. See if that does anything. All right, first one up. Take a listen to this, ladies and gents. I have worked, this is from Nursles, Nursles 75. Frank, I have worked in several different specialties of nursing, but labor and delivery was pretty incredible. This particular night shift at work was slow and not much was going on. We got a call from the ED that a mom was in labor and needed a labor nurse to come downstairs to get her with a wheelchair to bring her up to our unit. I volunteered and went down to get her. She was Ukrainian and did not speak English, but didn't have to because she looked very uncomfortable and had that serious look about her that she was going to deliver this baby soon. She could barely sit in the wheelchair. She was so uncomfortable, but couldn't walk either. I got her in and ran for the elevator. Unfortunately, she was wearing a, a long jean skirt and, actually and uh, an actual pantyhose on like my mom used to wear. I hit the button for the second floor second floor the elevator doors open and the archaic thing made its way up to our unit before the doors could even open she promptly stood up let out a large deep groan i whipped up that jean shirt and a healthy baby was stuck in her pantyhose at about mid thigh area 
I had bandage scissors and my scrub in my scrub pocket, so I carefully cut the pantyhose, and uh, and and wrapped the baby up with my scrub jacket. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, mom, the mom plopped back down in that wheelchair, and the doors opened. My colleagues were surprised to say the least. Mom and baby were both fine. Once we had a translator there, she told us that it was baby number ten. Born in the pantyhose. Well, that's why it fell just right out, probably. That's incredible. Wow. Well, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to that? Born right there in the elevator. At least you were in the hospital. That must have been a mess in the elevator afterwards and everywhere else. She probably just left a trail, but uh, that's incredible. All right, here's another one. Astro Emmy. Oh, it looks like the restart just well, acted uh, acted well. I'm going to read Astro Emmy, then we'll start taking some more calls. The Skype is working now, ladies and gentlemen, so call on in or you can jump into the Discord. Astro Emmy says, I have been a nurse for many years and have done everything from med surge to community health. I now work in acute physical rehab, which I love. Recently, we had a patient who had a major stroke and had fallen and broken her hip. She was in very bad shape and had lost all use of her right side. After being in the hospital for over a month, she came out. She came to our unit. One doctor had not given her a good prognosis and had told her that it was unlikely she would ever walk again. Most would agree with this prognosis. This woman was determined to prove the doctor wrong. Only, only days after she had been told this news, the physical therapist working with her had her up and walking with a special leg brace. A week, a week later, she was able to walk with nothing more than a minor limp. I love these stories of human will and the ability of the brain to heal. We must continue to prove them wrong every day. Oh, that's... Yes, you must have hope. You must. Hey, taking a call from Kim in the high desert. What's going on, Kim? Frank, how are you? I'm doing well. It's great to hear from you. What's on your mind? I used to be ER nurse um, out here in the high desert, in some of the craziest hospitals out here, county, you name it. But I was also a ER nurse in Chicago, and that was bananas. We had a lot of psych patients come in because the administration had shut down so many mental health facilities and like uh, things like that, rehab facilities. Yeah. So lots of the, yeah, lots of the area took a, took a beating. And so I loved to be in that area. And one of my favorite patients were the, what are they called? Like the college-age students, first and second year college-age students that would leave home and then, uh, like, get lost because schizophrenia shows up around 19 or 20 years old. Oh. And I had one, yeah, I had one that got lost, and she was found in the Catholic church in front of the ER naked going up and down the stairs babbling about the apocalypse and the second coming of jesus and how she was the second coming of jesus and so the fathers brought her in and robes and things like that and for hours and hours she, we had no idea who she was where she was her like she would not say anything except rambling on about how she was the second coming of jesus and so she was like a very young girl we were trying to give her meds but we didn't want to like startle her too much and after a while, I would go in every once in a while when she would calm down and try to get her uh, name from her. And slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely, she started to give me little bits of information 
um, because she would she finally took some psychotic medication. We figured out what was going on, and I you know I I got her I think her middle name, but she wouldn't give me her first name, and she came over really. <laughs> slowly and walked over to me while I was on my computer trying to look her up. I, I actually paid some money to go to a search engine and try to find her with, like, the tips that I had, um, like calling sheriff's office and things like that. And, and what, was she, was she missing? She, she was, was missing, she, yeah, was missing. but we had no idea where she was from. Wow. So so did you ever end yeah, up ever end up finding out how far she had traveled? Yes. She was from five hours down south from a college, and she had been missing for three days. Uh, she walks over to me, and she's just going to like tell me her first name. And she's like, here, I'm ready to give you my first name. This is how you spell it. And we're like, cool, I'm ready. And then she's like, C-H, and I look up at her, R-I-S-T. Christ. Go back, <laughs> go back to your room and come back. So eventually, like, she... She came back and we found out, and we actually found out from she had been missing, and she had um, family who were also schizophrenic, and was and her family would show at about 19 or 20, and so she was lost and had done drugs, and it kicked in her schizophrenia. And so how the how, how did she? Okay, so she was she was going to a college. She's 19, 20 years old. So you're probably about a, a mm -hmm. sophomore or junior. I did not know that 1920 is the is the 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 most com is that the most common range when schizophrenia will yes. will, will you know mm -hmm. present itself? Yes, and so a lot of freshmen and sophomores will go off to college and get lost, or because they they do drugs or start drinking heavily or the stress of college, will get lost and and their schizophrenia will kick in, and so we had a lot of those students come come you know constantly get lost from crazy towns and end up in Chicago because it's a party town, right? So they would come from these suburb colleges from way out somewhere, you know, in the boonies and then come here and go bananas. And it, sometimes we would have to find them and use search engines and call counties and figure out who they were. Well, Kim, what, what, what exactly, what was the mode of transportation for this girl? She is, um, she's five hours away from where she was found in front of this Catholic church, naked and ranting and raving and, and talking about one apocalyptic vision or another. Uh, but how did she, did, did she hitchhike? Did, did she have a car that she abandoned? She, did she walk? No, no. Her, her and her friends came to the city to party. Oh, for five so hour five hour drive to to party in the city. Yes, Jeez. absolutely to Chicago. Everyone from the suburbs, and so she came down here and then got lost somewhere, and they never found her. And then no one, you know, like everyone was going nuts because she didn't give her name, and who knows how long she was staying? I don't know where. Wow. No one knew exactly where she was, so the family was very grateful, and I was very grateful we could. Well, Kim, th this is a, this uh, a, a great story. Thank you so much for this. It's wonderful to hear from you again. You're welcome. I love you. You have a good day. Well, all the best. Sending love to the high desert. There you go. Wow. Naked in front of a church, talking about the second coming. I did not know that about a sch about schizophrenia. Um, that's interesting and horrifying. I, thankfully, I'm I'm past the the threshold. Obviously, everything else can go wrong. But maybe I won't be schizophrenic. I think I can probably put the money on that one. Okay, so 914-595-6953. Let's take a little bit more. 289, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello, Frank. Hey. 
Hey, brother, it's Dragon Sage from the chat. How you doing? Oh, what's going on, Dragon? What's on your mind? <laughs> my, my real name's Craig, actually. I just called in to say, hey, I've never called into your show before. I've been watching you for, God, it must be going on a couple of years now. And uh, I absolutely love the show, the, the great people in your chat. Um, it's become my, my favorite nightly ritual to tune in and uh, stay informed with the Franklies. Well, it's a nightly ritual for me as well, uh, Craig, and I, I, I'm so happy that you're enjoying yourself, and I'm glad that you got through so easily to say hello. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, this is literally the first time I tried. I just uh, I, I usually sit on my front porch and watch, but it's a little noisy out there, so I just walked around in my backyard. I'm uh, sitting beside my beautiful uh, six-foot-high uh, Tulsa OG plants that are just nicely budding right now. Oh, so. where do you live? That it's you a little, it's a little. I'm in Ontario, Canada. Oh, so they allow you to grow in Ontario in your backyard. Yeah, we're allowed to have up to four plants uh, legally. Wow. And uh, not not to, not to say that we haven't been doing this for decades. So yeah, is is now, this your last? We can do it legally. I mean, obviously, uh, Canada starts getting into frigid weather a little bit quicker than us over here, even in New York. So is the, uh, when's your last uh, your last harvest? It'll be coming soon, within the next couple of weeks. It's funny you say that. I, I commented earlier in the chat that tonight was the first night I had to put my long johns back on because it's a little chilly here tonight. Oh, well, I know. Um, it's still nice during the day, and it's hot and sunny, but uh, as soon as the sun goes down, it gets chill really fast. And uh, Well, yeah, either we're way. We're getting into... Uh, Getting back to the cold weather here again. Preserve those buds, my friend. Don't let any of it go to waste. And let me and s send me some pictures and email. I want to see. I want to see the haul for the next pick. And thanks for the call. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much for all you do, Frank. I love your show. And uh, shout out to all the people in chat. Thanks, guys. Love Thank you. All. Thank you. We've got great, great chats out there. It never ends. It never, ever ends. Okay, let's go into another one of these wonderful stories. Well, I mean, it could be wonderful. It could also be heart-wrenching. You just don't know. Uh, here's from Patriot Angie for Liberty. I know that name. So I was an emergency room nurse, and I had a young man come in very sick. He was a bit of a jokester and told me, I bet you $20 I have your name tattooed on my dick. Uh-oh. I'm like, okay, game on. I have to, I have to cath you anyway. Oh, no! <laughs> so as I got my prep ready for catheter time, I pulled back that gown. And needless to say, I was quite shocked as he literally had your name, Y-O-U-R-N-A-M-E, your name tattooed on his penis. Uh, this young man ended up passing away later on that night in the ICU because he had a, he had hepatitis C and his organs shut down on him. But, uh, lesson to be learned, wrap up the penis boys. Well, that could also be intravenous drugs too, no? Who knows? But damn. Oh, sometimes the end can be just so miserable. Catheters and hep C. Wow. Okay, but that's a that's a pretty good trick. I I, I bet you any money that worked. Uh, he, he probably made him a lot of money over the years. I mean, a lot of money, twenty dollars at a time. Um, and of course, the cheap thrill of getting to expose himself to to anybody. 
anybody who says yes. Here is from Trailblazing RN, and then we'll go back to the calls. I'm an RN with over 30 years, and I'm bursting at the seams with amazing stories of miracles and nightmares. So many of them, but there is always one, one story that tops them all whenever I'm asked. I was raising three sons, and at this time they were all in their teens and in the middle school and high school. They were amazing, but as teen boys, they kept this single working mom very busy and exhausted. One of my sons in particular was a uh, a candy addict. Some way and somehow he always managed to get his hands on candy. And this one day I was, we're talking about just like a sweet tooth or, or, or is there a drug out there called candy? I was finding Tootsie Roll wrappers. Okay. It was just a sweet tooth. Like, I don't know. Is this some kind of, (laughs) is this some kind of new thing? I don't know. Or maybe it was like a regional thing. Oh, those kids, they're eating, they're, they're, uh, they're shooting that candy. No, it was actually just Tootsie Rolls. Okay, I feel good now. And this one day I was finding Tootsie Roll wrappers and Tootsie Rolls all over the place. I was rushing to leave for work as I was picking up this mess and lecturing him, uh, his mess, and lecturing him about his health and how diabetes runs in the family. Same here. I had him turn over his candy to me before I left for work. That night I received a new patient from one of the nursing homes. I got a report he had dementia, severe diabetes, and end-stage kidney disease. He also had all the things that unfortunately come with age and end-stage disease. I went in to do my assessment and had nurses aid and help me. I proceeded with my assessment, and when, he ro- and when we rolled him over to remove his diaper, I was shocked at what I was seeing. One of my son's Tootsie Rolls was in his diaper. My mind went crazy, thinking, how did it get there? Did it fall off my clothes? Was it in my pocket? Is my son here? My mind was racing, then suddenly I realized as the aide let out a gasp that it wasn't a Tootsie Roll at all, but it was a, a, a Blackberry necrotic penis that fell off into his diaper. What? Now, as a mom raising these boys alone, I became very clever on my revenge, not sure if it was something I inherited from my Irish mom or my Italian dad, but I always found a way to get them back. The next evening at the dinner table, as they, uh, as, they at, as they ate hot dogs, I shared my Tootsie Roll experience and how candy, especially Tootsie Rolls, can give them diabetes and or other problems. I explained to them in great exaggerated detail and then accidentally dropped a hot dog in the middle of the table. Needless to say, to this very day, those grown men will not eat Tootsie Rolls or hardly any candy and are diabetes free. Well, thank God for that. Oh my gosh, imagine having your dick rot right on you as it hangs off of you and then falling off into a diaper. In that stage, you probably didn't even know what happened. Oh, wow. A necrotic penis. That sounds like a band name. Coming up next, necrotic penis. We are necrotic penis. That's definitely a death metal. That's a death metal band from Orlando, Florida. Necrotic penis. 100%. You in the name? You in the uh, uh, in the uh in the the market for a band name. They're coming out free tonight. All right, let's take another call. 210, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, this is Ricardo. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Welcome to the show, friend. Uh, I was just calling. It's funny actually that I got through. Uh I know that you have a lot of stories of people that 
usually meet due to the show and, you know, fall in love and everything. Uh, Quite a few the now. The funny thing is, is that actually, actually I broke up. I got broken up because of your show. What? <laughs> oh, no. What happened? <laughs> uh, well, it was actually during, like, what was it? Two, uh, yeah, like, no, 2019. Whenever, you know, things were starting to come out and about, like, COVID, and uh, I would see how everybody was against Trump. And I was like, what? That's kind of odd. Like, even Bush got good report, you know? So I would started doing, like, my own investigations and everything, and then I stumbled upon your show on Spotify. And uh, so I was, like, diving into pretty much like all your back catalog and uh, so <laughs> I made her listen to it with me and she was like you're not really believing all this are you oh boy and I was like well I mean it's, <laughs> I was like it's worth a shot right like if we're believing everything that the news are telling us it's worth checking this stuff out so the more and more that I dove in like the more and more I was like holy shit man like we are being duped in a totally different level so uh, so yeah the more and more that I was like trying to get her to like watch and listen to, she was like, "No, this is not going to happen. Like, I can't choose. Uh, I can't choose my parents, but I can't choose the person that I want to marry." Oh and man! I was like, Ow. "Wait a second! You were you guys were engaged?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she broke off an engagement because you kept trying to get her to watch the show. You should have just like kept it to yourself. <laughs> but then again, listen, if she if she if she's like that, if it's like that, maybe it's just for the best anyway, dude. It, oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. Oh you know, wow! And I'm grateful for literally like I listen to your show every single day. Uh, unfortunately, like I mostly watch it on recaps on Spotify. Uh huh. But um, but because I'm barely getting home right now from work, so I was trying to listen to it on the way home. And that uh, funny, you know, nurses' stories and everything like that. Um, real quick, I know that you got other calls. But uh, I used to be a tour manager for artists, and we were at Backwoods Music Festival, uh, the very first one in Oklahoma. And um, I got stabbed by a security guard whenever we were trying to leave to put up our gear. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't notice that I had gotten stabbed because it was like this whole debacle. And... Um, Whenever I went to the medic, they were like, oh, no, you need to go get stitches. And I was like, oh, really? Like, do I have to? And they were like, no, you really do have to. So I was like, all right, fine. So they take me to the nearest uh, hospital, which is probably like 25, 30 minutes away from there. And apparently everybody that had shown up was either tripping or rolling or, you know, super drunk or whatever. So uh, <laughs> they, whenever they asked me, they were like, all right, so what are you on? And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, like, did you take anything? And I was like, no, absolutely sober. Like, I'm working, actually. And they're like, no, it's okay. Like, you're not going to get in trouble. Like, we just want to know. Like, so that way we know, like, what we're going to be getting into, like, and what we can give you. I was like, no, no, I'm 100% sober. And they did not believe me, so they had to take a drug test, like a drug test and a dr uh, blood sample to see to make sure that I wasn't under any influence just because of how calm I was. and uh, <laughs> After being stabbed. But, yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're taking... Actually, they're, they're, I took a selfie of myself in the, in the 
ambulance because I've never ridden an ambulance before. Well, listen, and I, I, I don't like, know, man, I don't know too much about you, my friend, but I, I got to say, from the the way that you handled this stabbing, and the way that you're laughing, I mean, I mean, the, the breakup was years, you know, three three years ago at this point. Hopefully, you're over it. Are you back on the horse? Uh, no, I'm just single right now. Okay. Well, anyway, the way that you, 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 you laugh about that and the way that you were able to just be so chill about just getting stabbed at a, at a concert or whatever, I, I have to imagine you're, I don't know, you, you seem like a pretty chill guy. No, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> you gotta be. you've been on the road as well, so you pretty much see all that you can see. So whenever situations arise, you're just kind of like, well, What's the best way to deal with this situation? You know. So, well, hey, listen. It, whenever you do, whenever you do uh, get married, they're they're gonna have a nice stable, uh, stable husband in their lives. So that that's good. And uh, and thanks for the call, man. This is a really a really unexpected one, but thank you for this. Uh, who should I store you as? Uh, Ricardo. Ricardo. Oh, you know what? I, I think you're the first Ricardo I have in here. So that'll just fly for now. Thanks for the call, Ricardo. I hope to hear from you again soon. Absolutely, Frank. Take care. God bless. Take care. You too. Quite frankly, is a bad girlfriend dialysis machine. Just play quite frankly. Introduce it to everybody in your your love life, and uh, who you are supposed to marry will be just fine with it. Or if they don't like it, they won't like punish you for it. They'll just walk out of the room and say, "Oh, that's just something he does." Not for me. Quite frankly, bad girlfriend dialysis or boyfriend for that matter. All right. Uh, <laughs> very calm after being stabbed. Okay, we're going to go on a quick break. Are we? We do? Yes, we are going to go on a quick break. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is, uh, this is fun. I'm having fun. Hey, guys, I'm in New York City just hanging out. you want pardon what don't you want oh well uh i think i just uh you know i've been working here for 44 years ain't nobody ever ordered nothing but t-bone steak and a baked potato except this one asshole from new york tried to order trout back in 1987 we don't sell no goddamn trout t-bone steaks so either you don't want the corn on the cob or you don't want the green beans. So what don't you want? I don't want green beans. I don't want green beans either. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked? That just want a... no question. All right. 
quite frankly. Listen live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or playing <laughs> dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. Take the bus. Listen, Mr. Lee, they could kill one another. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, but we can't be involved with murder. Exactly, Andy. Mr. Lee, is this you talking or the liquor? Andy. I am the liquor. Okay. Playing with house money, having a good time. And I think we're up. I think we are up. There is no score in the Yankee game, though. Bottom of the fifth. And, uh, but the Yankees have a runner on with no outs, so that's something. Let's get into a little bit more of what we got going on. And the lines are still open. 914-595-6953. 914-595-6953. And I'm going to read a couple more of these because if I don't pick up the pace, we're never going to get through them. We have another 17 more. Still wonderful. Thank you, Trailblazing RN. Here is, oh, Patriot Andy. Oh, another one. Oh, a couple from Patriot Angie. I'm back with another story. Let's see. Actually, I'll, I'll get. Maybe I'll do a little bit more of Angie tomorrow. Let me just get somebody else real quick. Uh, Maria, Maria E says, "I work in rehab. I work in rehab nursing facilities with long-term care as a dietitian, director of dietary. I have some stories over the short uh, over the short amount of years I have worked in healthcare. I was pretty excited for one of our residents when we found out his wife was admitting for a short stay until she explained to us that she can't know that she is there." or let him see her because then she will think that he is dead. What? It turns out he had some super rare condition called walking corpses syndrome and it was triggered at her presence. I didn't really believe it, but a lot of the nurses reported that he would go from being completely mobile and self-sufficient to acting like he was a dead body. The whole time they were in the the, the facility there, they never interacted and we're in different halls. I think that is just him not wanting to be around his wife. Wait, what, what, what is this? Walking corpses syndrome. Hold on a second. Walking corpses syndrome. Uh, Cotard delusion. It's called Cotard delusion. Cotard's delusion, or also known as walking corpse syndrome, is a rare mental disorder in which the affected person holds the delusional belief that they are dead. They do not exist. They are putrefying or have lost their blood or internal organs. So that's like me when, I'm, when I take an edible. <laughs> so that's just me when I eat too much of an edible. And who's this Cotard guy that looks like Matt? It's Matt with a little bit more of a uh, screwed up hairline. 
Statistical analysis of the 100-patient cohort indicated that denial of self-existence is present in 45% of cases of Cotard syndrome. The other 55% of the patients presented with... I don't know what just happened. All of a sudden, everything was frozen over here. The OBS just completely seized up. And, um, and yeah. All right. So, listen. It's 843. 843, and we were looking at this cotards. I don't know how much was was saved, but this uh, this walking corpses syndrome is is a mental situation. Pretty incredible. But uh, I, I don't know where we're going from now. I guess you can try to call in. 914-595-6953. We'll see how much we how much more we can get in over here. It's a quarter to nine. Let's take a call. Uh, another one from Heather. Heather, how are you? Hey, I talked to you last night, Frank. Yes, yes, you did. Welcome back to the show. You got in. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. So what do you have for me tonight? Well, I want to piggyback off the guy um, who was talking a few calls ago um, about how, like, I didn't know anything about Trump for a while. Like, I was kind of, like, skeptical, like everybody else. My mom was, like, obsessed with him. And I was like, what the why why are you so obsessed? like I mean I voted for him in 16 only because she told me to and so did our other parents you know I have a husband and my 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 dad and my mom and they were like this is the guy to vote for I was like okay uh-huh. I mean that's cool he's a personality on the TV I mean I did watch his show a little bit but I thought it was interesting that so many people had the same like you know, now it's it's totally different but so many people were just you know in the dark about this you know like just didn't you know we we didn't give a crap and i feel like it's because they kind of were like you shouldn't give a crap you know well either way it has some real it has some real world uh real world effects on on people's relationships that that's something that we've known for a long time now but his his uh, his story was that's the first time I ever had a quite frankly caused my breakup story. So that was something in itself. I know yeah. that was so weird, but like I just want to say, like I kind of relate to him, you know. Like it was just like, oh my god, yeah, dude, I felt the same fucking way, you know. Like, right. So um, do you have do you, do you have any uh, medical mishap stories for us tonight? No, no, none. I'm probably the healthiest. Ever. Oh, okay. Well, good. Good. <laughs> Stay healthy for every, for everybody's sake over there. Stay healthy, and um, and, and we we should definitely talk a little bit more about how politics has affect our relationships at another night. But thanks for the call, Heather. It's great to hear from yeah. you too. Oh shit! It's great to hear from you two nights in a row. I I just had that blackout over here, so now I'm trying to make up for lost time. Uh, we'll take uh, another one from Swanee. What's going on, Swanee? What do you got for me? Hey, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm a retired marine. And I've always had cotards, whatever the hell that is. About, uh, yeah, that's the way it is. You have cotards? Just the way it is. Hell yeah. With who? Always been. With who? With who? Oh, wait, wait. You, I mean, like, do, is it only around a certain person, like this guy's wife? Or, you, or are you just, you think you're dead right now? He's gone. Maybe, maybe he was just, maybe he was trolling. Either way, I wanted to know what it feels like to be dead. Then again, there have been some days that I think I know. Okay, uh, let me see. Let's go over to Mike Rogan. 
Mike Rogan says, when I was an ER resident, a poor guy came in with a motorcycle accident. Paramedics carried his arm in separately. While the trauma team was working on him, I saw his arm off to the side, so I picked it up and used his hand to flip off my attending. Attending took a pick. I've never managed to get a copy of that pick. Jeez. Well, I guess you got to find... Uh, I mean, that's just like, it's like talking to the doctor that threw the, the floating rib at the, guy, the other uh, caller the other night. My God. I would be pissed off if that was my arm, though. If I knew that someone had taken my arm and was playing with it, I'd be very mad. If I ever found out about it, I'd come back with a vengeance. And... Um, Probably with a golf club and and just, just break apart the whole nurse's station there. I don't know. Either way, you have to have fun wherever you can, I guess. And no harm, no foul, especially if they put the arm back and everything was okay. Tales from the OR, SoCalPatriot56 says. This is the last one for the evening. I thought uh, it would be a fun challenge, a change change of pace for working in the ICU to try my hand at working at the operating room. And for a time, it was. I got to view life, uh, I I got to view live beating hearts, the human brain respond with the skull cap off, uh, live undulating intestines outside of the human body during a cavity search. All fascinating, but things quickly turned sour. Ducking surgeons with uh, bad tempers and flying instruments being bewildered when I was told part of my job was to periodically kick the stool of the anesthesiologist to make sure she stayed awake to monitor the patient. Stuff a a huge breasted woman's cleavage after removal into, uh, into a lab pickle jar. Wait, wait, wait. Stuff a huge breasted woman's cleavage. Stuff the cleavage after removal into a lab pickle jar. Removal what into a lab pickle jar? I don't, I don't get the... I don't get it. Uh, but the final straw came when I had to talk a patient through a live leg amputation under only local anesthetic to keep his mind occupied while the chainsaw was bu- busy buzzing during the amputation. Then having to figure out a way to carry... The severed limb through the hospital without alarming passers-by on the way to the lab with it. Which reminds me, why are the hospital morgues and labs always located right next to the cafeteria kitchen? Hospital life is a strange world with the best lunchtime, with the best lunchtime meatloaf. So hopefully it's not all the grounded up legs and arms, but yeah, yeah, the live beating hearts. But stuff a huge-breasted woman's cleavage. Stuff the cleavage? What does that mean? I don't understand what that means. Kicking the anesthesiologist's bucket uh, to, to make sure that they stay awake. Boy, oh boy, that must be a long surgery. That's, uh, that's, that's shit. Hopefully, I, I don't know, how long did it take for SoCal Patriot to get out of that job? So much more. So much more. Let's do one last one. From Captain Wiggles. Captain Wiggles says, I worked all three shifts in the ER for a few years. I won't make this a lengthy post, but you would be surprised just how much sex and love affairs happen in the various rooms. And you would be surprised just how many people share the same sexual partners. I'm puking in my mouth just thinking about it. Uh, The stories are truly endless working in the medical field. I am not surprised. I'm not surprised because you have no clue 
how much uh, how many how many people hook up and start dating in YMCA's? Not with the children. Well, at least not our YMCA. But uh, staff, especially when you have all the, the, the you know the camps and all the counselors are just like you know high on hormones and but in a in a hospital, you know, I spent a lot of time in hospitals this year. Both, you know, I only go, went to go see my grandmother. Um, I think that was once or twice in the hospital there. But Skip, it was, it was almost for a time there when he wasn't in New Haven and he was in Greenwich. When it got to Greenwich and all the COVID testing stuff completely went away, I was there almost every day for maybe two two months. Two months. Everything else was phone, FaceTime, and talking to doctors but getting there it is uh i i just i i can feel it i don't know what it is you know you can sense that kind of stuff i can feel the horniness <laughs> if that's a thing i can feel it all over the place and the scrubs man the scrubs that that nurses wear these days they are like painted onto them it's like they want everybody they want everybody ogling them no doubt about it. They they uh, they 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 show off the assets. I'm just like I can't even imagine what goes on in here. It must be like lobsters. But uh, that's all we have for tonight, ladies and gents. Let me go to the super chats and make sure that we are all over with this. And maybe tomorrow, if I missed a few, I think we got through a lot on that thread. If we missed a few, maybe we'll do some more. But we should have plenty to talk about tomorrow night with with both Matt in the studio, perhaps, and Sam Tripoli on the line from California. Stostube says, Frank, we meet again. You must come here often. Ha, ah, yes, I'm here. I'm here often. They let anybody into this joint. Thanks again for another great show, my good man, as always. Thank you both. Thank you all out there. It's been wonderful. Wonderful to have you around. And over in Rum Rumble, everything is caught up over there and on pill.net stostube texas for trump says thanks frank thank you a lot from stostube keeping the network afloat himself it seems tonight but thank you robert sarns and oil man and everybody else before that it's been a tremendous honor a tremendous honor and i'm sorry for the little hiccup i hope that there is a version of the show that i am able to download in full and use because I'm pretty sure that the D-Live is going to be overwritten or I don't know what's going to happen. But I, maybe I can paste this all together and we can get a product up on the podcast platforms by the end of the evening. Thank you all so much for the time. I'm looking forward to rounding out the show tomorrow, rounding out the week tomorrow night. And beyond that, who knows? Good night. Become a sponsor. Please become a sponsor at Sponsor Us tab at quitefrankly.tv or through any of the links that's provided in the episode description. See you tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is Film Before Live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Fishhead Montana. Stostube, I'm your captain. And uh, selling the farm on Rumble. Thank you to everybody on Pilled. I am releasing the scratch right now. And I will uh, 
wait with bated breath until tomorrow when we all gather around here again at 7 o'clock p.m. So go off and pretend to be dead and then wake up and have a good day tomorrow. Goodbye.